You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And you thought he was the greatest quarterback in the history of the world, right? No, I did not. I thought their game plan was pretty much just chuck the ball to DeMarcus Lodge. <laughs> Who has surprisingly done nothing at Ole Miss. Actually, and that's not even true. Cedar Hill ran the ball a lot. Like, Justin McMillan was a pretty good runner. Yeah. And to give credit, like, in the championship game, he, he, you know, this goes to my whole theory about soft skills. Like, you know, you just can't judge them. Mm-hmm. And they're the most important part of the quarterback. He did lead a two-minute drill to win the game in, in, the, in the state championship. So, like, he, he did – he has those leadership abilities. At least he did in high school. You know, he, he you know they went down and he calmly and drove the team down the field in the final two minutes to kick a game-winning field goal the last – you know, as time expired. So. But could he throw for 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm thinking he's probably never going to play quarterback for us. I, I think he'll. Well, I mean, he already has. Yeah, um, I mean, he'll play mop up. But like, like he'll he'll do he'll do mop up. Um, if Justin McMillan's playing at all, something has gone terribly wrong. Yeah, that that fair because he's going to get every. I think everybody's assuming that Miles Brennan's going to pass everybody next year. That seems to be the hope. So the only way another quarterback on the roster plays is if they play this year, which means one of two things. Etling was terrible or Etling got hurt. <sighs> well. And, and that also that would require that Lindsey Scott is still behind McMillan, which would be disappointing. Yeah, that so, seems to be what people are thinking coming out of spring. So, yeah, I don't think we'll ever see McMillan play either. Unless Etling's terrible. Or, you know, well, and there's always a chance he gets hurt. Yeah. Apparently he was hurt all last year. Yeah. Danny Etling, the next great LSU quarterback. The great white hope. (laughs) Until he's average in three games, and then it's on to the next guy. You know, how about for once we let a freshman sit on the bench and not be forced to play right away? That'd be nice. Yeah, I feel like that was the role McMillan was brought in, was to be that sort of mediary, intermediary guy that's... Not even that he would ever play, but to be... They knew he would be diligent. They knew he would work hard. He would set an example. And it was like to be your locker room leader guy. And then probably immediately make him a GA and turn him into a coach, you know? If worse comes to worse, he could play and you haven't thrown a freshman to the Wolves. Yeah, Because if you think about it, like, Brandon Harris was thrown to the Wolves as a freshman, and I think it stunted his development the whole way. Yep. Um, Anthony Jennings was certainly thrown to the Wolves as a freshman, and the damage that it did to him is just incalculable. Um, Jordan Jefferson, you know, played as a freshman. Actually, that didn't 
go to. It wasn't until a sophomore year that things went bad. For, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, you know, even going back to um, what you call it, uh, our 2011. You know, two quarterback. Oh, what you call it? The uh, not, uh, Jared Lee. Jared Lee. Yeah. I mean, Jared Lee. I mean, that guy is a just the classic case of guy I had to play too early. He had a just a an emotionally devastating freshman year. Boy, did he ever! So I, I've LSU's problems. They just keep having to rush these guys in as a freshman. It's been like six or seven years of always playing. Fre- you would think they would have a plan by now. It's as much as people talk about it, it's the development of the position. It's just being able to keep the backup and groom that person to be ready to take over as a junior. Be- yeah, that had been my one <clears throat> as the site's lead recruiting guru. That had been my one major criticism of the Miles recruiting is that there was no sustainable effort at quarterback. Yeah. And and because you look at it as like every fresh, every quarterback who failed had a good excuse. It was that they were, they were forced to play too early. Yep. And that it's one thing to, if you, you know, you're Jameis Winston and you play as a freshman and that was the plan. It's a totally different thing when you just get thrust into the role and, you you know, you no know one was expecting it. Yeah, exactly. And just, uh, we've, I, shockingly, I, I think we've mismanaged that position. I think that's a real, real hot take that uh, not many people have. <laughs> Some original insight. That's what, that's what you pay us for. That's right. So, by the way, this is the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan. Say hi, Dan. Hello. Throw for twenty five hundred yards and twenty touchdowns in this twenty touchdowns on this podcast, just in this podcast alone. Yeah, just to prove it can be done. And I'm dead serious. I am going to call Danny Etling Banana Man for the whole season. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Which, um, if you can actually find uh, that cartoon, it had one of the best openings of all time. It was just like whenever Jeffrey eats an ordinary banana, a strange occurrence takes place. But Jeffrey is no ordinary boy. Jeffrey is Banana Man. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Wait, is this from the 80s? 70s? Uh, I swear it's... Yeah, 70s, 80s. It, it came on after Danger Mouse. We didn't have many options in the early 80s. <laughs> Cartoons yeah. are a lot better now. First, right, appearance, first appearance, February 16th, 1980. Look at that. There you go. Uh, yeah, I remember it would air in like the last five, ten minutes of Danger Mouse, which was a great t- cartoon. But once again, we did not have options back then. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, ter- much better now. Oh, that was, the, that was the actual comic. The show was 86. Okay, the show 80, was 86. 83 to 86, sorry. Okay, there we go. It was 83 because I, d- I was not aware that there was a uh, comic book that it was based on. I just knew there was a very British guy who read the narration. That's fantastic. Oh, it was out. Yeah, just no. Uh, we had terrible cards, and then we didn't know any better, so we watched them. That's the way it goes. 
Though now with all this plethora of options, just unlimited options, my child will try and find the worst possible cartoon to watch. Is it um, Paw Patrol? Uh, Paw Patrol I do fucking hate. That is <laughs> really made by the Antichrist. It's such clear marketing just to sell toys. It's awful. But even that's better than some of the stuff she finds. She can find, like, the Italian knockoff of Finding Nemo. Why? I, I don't know, because she's figured out the Roku remote, and she's gone through Netflix, and she'll just pick out stuff. She's really right now into terrible Korean cartoons. <laughs> and I just want to say, look, not even Koreans watch this. This is knockoff of good Japanese programming. I mean, if you're going <laughs> to... Get in the anime, okay, get in the anime, but this is awful, sweetie. Are you raising a hipster? Uh, yeah, no, that's not a hipster, no. Jeez. This is just having terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, this, this is like if you were a little kid not watching the Transformers and instead watching the GoBots. Or being a real big snorks man instead of the Smurfs. All right, there <laughs> have you go. some standards. Some things just suck. <laughs> all right. uh, be able to point out when you're just watching the cheap knockoff. <sighs> you've well, you've dated. You said many cartoons that Crackles will have never heard of. Look, most people haven't heard of the cartoons I mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people know Transformers, but probably not the GoBots. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, I know Smurfs, but they've had a resurgence as well. But uh, now, if you I were a hipster, snorks. you would. Yeah. Now, if we're going with the hipster, so you have Transformers, Gobots are the cheap knockoff. But if you're a true hipster, you were in the mask. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look that one up, kids. Um, I thought you were going to say Voltron. No, Voltron was awesome though. But the yeah. Voltron's a totally different, you know. That's a different kettle of fish entirely. I guess that's kind of like the cool version of Power Rangers. Yeah, I've always felt that Power Rangers is just a ripoff of Vol- a live action ripoff of Voltron. Yeah, I feel like there, there's but, been a demand for a Voltron live action movie, right? I yeah, I think so. And, but also, like every cartoon now, I don't want to say every cartoon because that's clearly an exaggeration. But a lot of cartoons now rip off the whole Voltron thing. Where they have like four or five smaller things form a larger robot, yeah, or a larger unit that that seems to like just be a thing in uh, Japanese and Korean animation. Look at this! I, I just did a quick search, and apparently there's been cartoons like new ones released within yeah, the last no, there, year. Yeah, there is new Voltron. I did know that. Oh shit! There you go. But my child won't watch it because she has terrible taste. <laughs> How about this Voltron? No. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I can get my uh, the little poser. He, you know, he's getting into Star Wars right now, so I can watch a little bit of Clone Wars with him. All right. But then the, the little posette will show up, and she'll take the remote. She's like, "Nope, nope. I, I want to watch some Veggie Tales for a while." And I'm like, "Okay, I can handle that." Now I want to try and find cheap knockoff Veggie Tales. Oh man. You've hit a new low when you're looking for knockoff Veggie Tales. Yeah, yeah. Parenting sucks. I'm just saying. Like, your kids will like terrible, terrible things. It's the lot has been. Let's see. The lot you you've been cast. 
Yeah, and since I'm a horrible parent, I just let my kid have – I let her have a lot of screen time because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Want to know why? Because I watch a lot of TV. So well, I'm going to be like, no, no child. We don't watch TV in this family. Like, Then we'd have to like talk to each other and shit. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Who would want that? Yeah, that's just awful. That sounds – Ugh. All right, well, on actual LSU things, that was a really long winding road to get there. Uh, this week on the site and all of SB Nation has been – it's been 2007 week. It has. And I felt that you had a really good piece today, which by the time this comes out won't be today anymore, but uh, um, about how 2007 was always LSU's year. Yeah, I was I was kind of bummed to read Spencer, who I like, but I I just don't uh, I don't appreciate the general tenor of that being like ho hum. Of course, dumb shit LSU won. Like that's the attitude I get about it. Yeah, like we kind of stumbled our way drunk into it. Yeah. Yeah, I I get that. Like. We were definitely the best team all year. I think we fe- it felt more like this was the kind of team that was destined to be considered. This was the best team, but they were the team locked out of the BCS, which yeah. you know was one of those small comfort things that happened a lot during the BCS era. For sure, I think you can't talk about the team. You have to discuss the fact, the injuries and things that happened during the season that. I mean, preseason, we lost Ricky Jean-Francois, who we were counting on to be, like, one of our best defensive linemen. So we didn't go the whole season without him, and we're still good. And then, of course, the Dorsey injury, which was mid-season, and he still played, but he was not nearly the same player. Yeah, he, he became a totally different player. He went from being really one of the best LSU players of all time to a good defensive tackle in the second half of that year. Yeah. I mean, early in the year, he was on a Heisman-like campaign. Yeah, he was doing the Sue thing before Sue did it. Yeah, he, he was he was just utterly dominant. And what's what's so irritating about that injury is, look, injuries happen in sports, particularly football. It's a, it's a pretty dangerous game. And I try not to get angry at the other team when they happen. I mean, it's just guys are colliding into each other. It happens. But... That really was an incredibly dirty hit. It was so bad. I mean, he was engaged with a lineman, and then another lineman just dove into the back of his legs. And even worse, it happened right in front of an official who didn't throw a flag. Yeah. Um, if you want to know why LSU fans have a persecution complex, it's because of things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, Chaz, I feel like Chaz Ramsey is like, the least forgivable person. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, like, some people we hate because they were really good. <laughs> like, I, I know someone brought up on Twitter this week, they brought up uh, Tim Tebow. I love the Tim Tebow dialing the phone thing. That was awesome. Yeah, he's hilarious. Because, you know, the student section got his number and was calling his cell phone. They were blowing it up. So that was him shoving it back in their face. Like, that's... That's good trash talk. I love that. Like that made the rivalry great. Um, and so he earned the right. I mean, he was so he, good. yeah. 
he scored a touchdown right on that on that play as well. So like I have no ill will towards Tim Tebow. Um, I, in fact, I feel I have less ill will towards him than just about anyone else in the world. It seems like everyone just gets really angry that he wants to keep trying to be a professional athlete. Like it's somehow making their life worse. Um, but like Chaz Ramsey, that was just an unforgettable. He was trying to hurt the best player in the country because he couldn't stop him. Yeah. It was cowardly. Yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. It, it was cowardly. But I think what also was interesting about that 2017, and this kind of struck me when Billy asked us, who's your favorite player? And it was, it was phrased as who's your favorite, not who's the best. Because yeah. I think clearly the best is Glenn Dorsey. Everybody would say the same thing. Yes. But what's interesting about that think about it of who's the best player on that team that wasn't if you look at just rosters an exceptionally talented team compared to other LSU hell let's compare it to last year's roster because at the end of that year going to the draft there was only one first round draft pick Glenn Dorsey yeah and then there were no second round picks and then there were three third round picks uh, Chavis Jackson Jacob Hester and early Doucette. And, you know, those are good players, but those aren't legends. No, not at all. I, I mean, I don't, th- I'm not sure there was, I think Glenn Dorsey was the only All American on that team. I, I, I even going down the like second or third team. I think Stelts got All American. Oh, yeah, Stelts got some because he had yeah. such a, such a huge, um, he was the first. But, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of all-SEC players on that team. There, Herman Johnson was on that team and, you know, Jackson, of course. Um, but it wasn't like this incredibly loaded team that, you know, like people look back on the 2013 team and say, you know, you had Matt Landry, ODB, and Jeremy Hill. How would you not win every game? Yeah. Like, and I, th- I just think that's an interesting thing. I, th- I don't think anybody has any problems saying the 2017 was a better team but it actually wasn't a roster that just blew you away. No, I agree. I actually was going <clears> to... <throat> well, this will come up later because one of the questions we got was asking, kind of comparing teams, which we can get into some. Okay, team, yeah, we can... It is, it is interesting if you look at the roster that... It, it Not even just like, oh, these guys didn't go on to become great pros, but they weren't even like... I mean, Hester is an LSU legend, but not for being like... A legendary productive player. He was a yeah, legend I mean, for being like tough, heart and soul. Yeah, and, and you know, um, you know, Allie Highsmith was really good. Yeah, he was a really good player. I, I mean, I think Allie Highsmith is the other really you know. But if you look at him, most of, some of the legendary players on the team were freshmen. Yeah, who would you know? Like Chad Jones was a freshman, right? You know, um, uh, uh, Kelvin Shepard didn't play much, but he was a freshman on that team. You know, Drake Nevis was a freshman. And mm-hmm. I remember at the time, I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, we're handing it off there. Yeah, the new um, Dorsey. Y- yeah, and, you know, um, you know, Dwarzak was a freshman. And I mean, he didn't do a whole lot at LSU, but he kind of has the whole, you know, smartest Canadian thing going on, which is kind of cool. Um, it's just, it, you look at that team and it's just not, it doesn't pop off the page. No. Which is weird. Um, but, I mean, you look back on the memories of it. I mean, the actual moments of that season are just 
first they just woodshedded teams at first, and it looked like this was going to be the easiest year ever. And the second half of the year, you know, it's pretty much from the Kentucky game on. Things got well, the Florida game on because Florida yes. had them before Kentucky. All of a sudden, things got really difficult. Yeah, we were so and, beat up. I mean, we just yeah. That game took a physical toll on both teams. I, I think it did. I think that's very fair. And wait, I remember thinking watching the, when the LSU Kentucky game was ha- happening. We opened up, I think, a thirteen or fourteen point lead in the second half. I was like, okay, this game's over. Like, yeah. You know, whatever. We're, you know, we're all going to go to bed. And uh, um, Kentucky just kept chipping away and just came out. I remember being surprised it got to overtime. It's like, how the hell is this game in overtime? And from that point on, like, just the rest of that season was just nothing but crazy, crazy moments. It was like every game was just so close. Yeah, it really was. And I, I think that's where I don't think Miles gets enough credit for being. And I know I can't believe I'm going to use this phrase, but I think it's the best one. he was a very good game manager. He got the most out of that team. And that team wasn't good enough to really blow out a lot of teams. But in close games, he always pull, you know, pushed the right button, pulled the right lever, you know, had the right guys on the field. Yeah. You know, he was a good game day coach that season. It was wasn't a, like he was just – it wasn't happening in spite of him. It was happening because of him. It was a really senior-heavy veteran team, which – It was. That uh, is true. And because that, I think, goes with Miles' big philosophy. He likes to put his players in a position to succeed and then just lets them go. Yeah. Like he doesn't overplan things. He's like, okay, it's your time. Make a play. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But, I, I mean, I think that's what coaching is. You're supposed to be putting your players in a position to succeed. And yeah. it, if that was the year it really paid off. Just his seniors just, yeah, just made play after play after play. I mean, Craig Stelz was just got some money that season. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I got to meet him and, uh, I mean, like, shake his hand, take a picture with him. He's huge. <laughs> yeah, you, you forget how big everybody is. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I, and, I, you know, the 2017, I think, will always have a special place at LSU. I mean, not just because they won a national title, but that that is a special team. Yeah, you have the the proximity to Katrina. I know it was like two and a half years later by the time yeah. they won the title, but it was around still. I mean, it's not like the state had recovered in two and a half years, you know. No, so, no, it had. Um, that was still very much a reality to everyone, and it it felt like a a gift to those people. Like we, it was like a beacon that we're coming out of that darkness in some ways. I think that's pretty fair. I also felt like from a program standpoint, the 2003 title just felt like this is the one great moment. Like we've reached the mountaintop. 2007 felt more like an affirmation that we're a great program. Yeah. Like we're we're now a blue blood. We're Oh, we're going to do this a lot. Maybe not win a title, you know, every four years, but we're going to be in contention all the time, which would, you know, later lead to Miles' downfall uh, that they weren't competing for titles, titles, but the, the, 
2007 is the season that definitely gave people that thought. And it was, you know, a real affirming – it was an affirming win because also it wasn't just Nick Saban won a title. Because yes. it could have been like, you know, LSU is not that great of a program. It was just, you know, a great coach came through, won a title. Hell, the next year he didn't even win 10 games. So that was a fluke. You know, that happens – not all the time, but there are, if you look at the history of national championships, there's a couple of teams that just dot there, you know, had their one great season and then disappeared. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. <coughs> yeah. <you> know, <laughs> but I was going to go like more like 1990 Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colorado. Yeah. But instead, this felt like, no, this is for real. This is a real program. And the first one's always the most special. Um, 2003 is still 2003. But there's always going to be some weird feelings. Well, not always, but right now there's going to be some weird feelings because of the whole Nick Saban thing. So 2007 is kind of the one that you can glom on to as that's LSU's national title. You know, that's when we arrived as a program. Yeah, I think so, too. Doing it with two different coaches, you know, beating another I mean, obviously, we beat OU in 03, and then to beat another Blue Blood in 07, it, it puts a stamp on it. You know, it's not like you got there and beat, like, oh, you know, uh, even, like, Oregon got into the title game, you know, because they're kind yeah. of new money. But you, you're, I, I think you're making a statement of who you are. 2007 is what starts the whole, well, anyone can win at LSU. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's the – and in a way, that's a compliment. I mean I've always taken it as an insult towards Miles. But if you take a step back, that's a compliment towards the program. That's people's recognition that this is one of the best programs in the country. Oh, of course LSU is good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a turning point for the program to say we're an annual – we're expected to be great every year. You're at least content. I yeah. think that's the thing. Because like no one expects – Ohio State to win the national title every year. No. But they're always expected to be good. You know. And I, I think we're maybe not Ohio State's level because they have it goes back so long there. Yes. But we're on that kind of, you know, we're probably on that tier below. I think you have, you know, your absolute blue bloods of Alabama, Ohio State, maybe USC. Um, recently, Florida State, and then I think after that, there's everybody else. Yeah. You know, they're still really, really good programs, but I look, you know, I, I've been poking fun at them all week. Like Michigan's only won one national title since 1950, but I think Michigan is on that same level. Oh, oh yeah, of course, Michigan's going to compete for a title. I think it's a team that you could conceivably look at their schedule and say they could win every game, and even right. with Alabama on our schedule, it's conceivable that we could beat them because we've come really close. Right, and once you're on that level in people's minds, I think that's a that's a big step. That's yes. a, in a way for a program. That's a bigger step than winning one national title. Yeah, like no one's looking at Arkansas' schedule every year and thinking they could win all these games. Like they're looking at they're going to lose this one, this one, and this one. You know, like that's just. The I way mean, it is. in a way, I think that's what puts LSU's programs ahead of Auburn's. Yeah, I think so too. Is that is that I think people look at Auburn's example. schedule and say, hey, they could win every game. But they also look at Auburn's schedule and go, God, this team could lose every game. Auburn's <laughs> so unreliable that, you know, I have no idea what to expect out of them, which is kind of true. Because um, they're just so schizophrenic. And 
I think the ability to sustain success. I, this is kind of you know my one of my standard lines is this is what success looks like. Yeah, and this is something you and I've been talking about a lot too. And I I want to write about this. I'm trying to figure out. I want to approach it with the right attitude because I know that no matter what I say, it's going to come across as you're just being too hard on O. And it's not it's not about O. It's about like if we had hired Tom Herman, if we had hired Urban, it wouldn't matter like who it is. It's that whoever it is, that's just the standard now. That's just yeah. the way it is. I think that's what it is. Is 2007 is the shift of this is LSU, this is the standard. Not this is Les Miles, this is the standard. Or now, you know, this is Ed Orgeron, this is the standard. Is this is LSU standard. And I think there's something to that. That we have earned the right to have those standards. Now, we don't have Bama standards, you know, which is just, I mean, they're just off the charts right now. And it's at the point you just got to tip your cap. Yeah. But I think what was great about, you know, reading all the stuff about 2007 is it was a really wild, crazy year. And in retrospect, it's really fun. You can read all these neat articles. Living through it was a living hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was not fun. <laughs> no, I remember the Kentucky game. My friend almost punched my bedroom door in half. I mean, I I was at the Arkansas game. I drove in for that one from Texas, and after it, I was just like, we just blew the national title. I have never before or since been more upset after a sporting event than LSU-Arkansas. I mean, it was devastating. It was, and it was like, how the fuck did that happen? It it wasn't that Arkansas was particularly bad or anything, because they weren't. They were a pretty good good team. It's just... they shouldn't have beat us, obviously. Um, the thing that killed me is that we didn't go for two and the second overtime. Still mad about that. Yeah. It was a because mistake. Because Ellis' defense could not stop them. So I was no, like, you might as well cast. go for two. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well go for two right now. Have a chance to win it without a chance of having them respond. And also, that's kind of one of my you know, rules of thumb. If you're in the second overtime and you're going second and you score a touchdown, the other team kicked an extra point. Always, always, always go for two in that situation. Mm-hmm. I do not understand why coaches don't do that. Because it's a chance to win the game. Let's let's call a two-point conversion in overtime about a 50-50 play because the defense is so worn out. Yeah. So you have a 50-50 chance to win the game with the without the defense responding, you know, without their offense responding and never having to put your defense on the field. I mean, I will take that in a double overtime game. The game's already a coin flip. I'll take that every time. Yeah, absolutely. And you, also, you probably have a two-point play written up. So that's mine. Because and also the third overtime, you're going to have to start going for two. So yeah, might as well beat him to the punch. Yeah, so that's kind of. But I just remember after that game, it was just. It's weird. I don't remember much about the game. I mean, I was there, but it was so devastating that I just remember just sitting. Um, in the parking lot after the game, just going, how did that happen? It's also and, weird. I think to throw another wrinkle into it is it was still, even despite having really good teams the first two years under Miles and the the Russell years and going to the Sugar Bowl, beating the shit out of Notre Dame, 
it was still the validation that we needed to have to validate that he was like the guy to keep us at an elite level. And, I agree because and when he dropped that game, it's like, well, shit, maybe not. You know, like you're you're questioning again, right? Because he needed to do it without Jamarcus. Yeah, because that was the, you know that was the great player he inherited. I mean, he inherited more than that, but and actually, it turns out to be a pretty valid criticism having that great quarterback. Like he was able to move past the great quarterback, and for a while, was able to win without a great quarterback. Yeah. Um, and that's what you want to see out of out of the coach. It's like, okay, he inherited, you know, Jamarcus Russell. What, what can he do without that? The thing is, what you'd like to see him do is come up with another Jamarcus Russell, which I know is supposed to be Ryan Paralu, but I, I don't like putting that much on to Paralu getting kicked off the team. Yeah, I, I think we blame too much on that. Well, it's it. It's one player. I mean, there, there's no yeah. reason for it to have gone on for as long as it did. I'll give you 2008. Like, you know, and and that was the weird thing about 2007. So you have this great validating win, and then in the offseason, Paraloo gets kicked off the team. You didn't lose a ton of talent. You're like, okay, we're still going to be pretty good. Yeah, and pre, the first, like, it, I think pre Paraloo getting the boot, it was like conceivable that we could repeat, you know? Like, yeah. It wasn't out of the question. And then even. Even when he got booted, you're like, okay, we'll still be pretty good, you know. Yeah. And then in 2008, the first game, we're starting Andrew Hatch at quarterback. <laughs> and, oh. God bless him. God bless him. God bless him. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was, I mean, I don't even mean he lasted the first game. I mean, that was just terrible. And really, every quarterback mistake comes, does come from that. But, man. That's the genesis of it all, but you, you have to come up with a solution. Um, so, like, 2007 was this great moment, and when it ended, it ended. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh... Andrew, sorry, I'm reliving the Andrew Hatch here. No. Yeah, don't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not good. That's not healthy. Was it the Aubrey I mean, game where he just got the shit knocked out of him? I think so. God, he was just... That's the one where Lee threw, like, the heroic touchdown pass, which was awesome. And maybe yeah. the best moment of Lee's career, sadly. Yeah. Lee came back his senior year. He came back in 2011 to have some yeah, good moments. So. That's his redemption song, is that he played so well. I mean, he played well enough that everyone is yeah. still pissed and wondering what would have happened if he had played what would have happened he still would have lost is what would have happened I know I'm, I, whenever people bring that up I'm like do you remember how he played the first time we tried against Alabama <laughs> yeah, he got destroyed <laughs> it wasn't that, good it was, yeah it was just that game like it, you know it wasn't happening that game but yeah it was sort of like the opposite of the 2007 championship game where just everything was perfect like uh, um even when Ohio State went up early, I wasn't nervous. It was like, oh, no, we got this. This is going to just be a destruction. Don't worry about it. We're not going to lose to Tim Beckman. Yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> it, that that BCS championship game was very much, I did not go through all the shit to lose to, <laughs> to, lose to these guys. And Ohio State was a really good team that year. But I, I just remember knowing we were going to win that game. Because 2007, it was just too stressful to get to that point. I think there was a – they played with a chip on their shoulder in that game too because 
there had been so much shit talk about them having two losses and yeah and then you know you weren't that good you backed in and i just think and they were like oh really okay yeah and we got healthy you know yeah. that's when you got to see Ricky Jean Francois. Who, you know, is he still in the NFL? Because you know he played. I think so. I think he just I mean, signed he, another deal somewhere. I mean, yeah, like they lost a pretty big player right there, and yeah, they, they just destroyed him. It was. Uh, I mean, from pretty much the second quarter on, it was just you, you knew this team was not going to. It meant something after. And not that it didn't mean anything to Ohio State, but it meant more. You know, that motivation of, we, you know, we've been through too much to lose this game. Yeah, it was, it was a merciless <laughs> that game. Yeah, they just had, you know, they had that killer instinct. And I think that's something you would like to see return. That, you know, the last couple seasons especially, the team has not had a, a killer instinct. Yeah, and it felt like that, you know, not to bring up old wounds, but the 2011 team, that was, they had it. Yeah, it's not like they had it. So, I think that's why it's always it's just going to be sad how that season ended. But also, you know, look, if you're going to say that, you know, you lucked out in 2007, if, if that's the narrative, you know, LSU got lucky and got a title it didn't deserve in 2007. Okay, fine. Well, we karmically paid it back in 2011. When... Yeah. We had a team that was right up there with 95 Nebraska. I mean, like, that was one of the great college football teams of all time. And it ended up coming up short. So I think that's just the nature of, of football is that, you know, sometimes sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you ain't. Yeah, that's my big thing is, you know, we get list that team gets listed as, like, the worst BCS-era team to win a championship and all this shit. And I'm like, honestly, every team in the BCS era that won the title got breaks. They all got breaks. Like, it's just because they have the two losses. Yeah, and it's, that's just, that's what I hate. It's, it's just lazy. Like, it's, it's like, oh, they lost two games. So clearly they're the, you know, they're yeah. clearly the It's so lazy. Like, you know, and do I think that I, to this day, I think the 2011 team was better. I mean, I just, I just do. They were they were a better team. Okay, that was the but, question we got asked. Should we should we get into that? Yeah, we we can we can get it. You want to do question time or you know we well, we can do that. Yeah, let's just lead with that. I think it was Katie that asked it. Um, but do you want to give your take on why their 2011 is better? Yeah. yeah, the 2011 team first off just destroyed teams. Um, I mean, just absolutely destroyed them. But also, look at who they beat. They beat. The Pac-12 champions, who were a top five team, they beat, and that was at a neutral site. They beat the Big East champions, who were a top ten team, and also won their bowl game on the road mm-hmm. in West Virginia. Um, they beat Alabama, the eventual national champions, but the you know the second best team in the SEC that year. They beat them, you know, the number two team in the country in their house. Um, I think the Arkansas team they beat was also, you know, top five. Yeah, I think so. They went to the Sugar Bowl, right? I I think so. Um, I don't remember their actual rank. Yeah, they were top five when they played. So, just the quality. And also, and that's not even counting when they played them, Mississippi State was ranked, Mm -hmm. Florida was ranked, Auburn was ranked, Georgia was ranked. I mean, it's just an incredible 
array of talent they played. They played one of the most difficult schedules, and they just they mauled it. I, I'm, outside of you know the game of the century, I don't think they played a close game all season. No, they didn't. <laughs> they really uh, didn't. I mean, people like to talk about the Oregon game was you know it was you know decided by two touchdowns. LSU was up by 20 points and basically just let the fourth quarter run the clock and Oregon got a meaningless touchdown to make the score look a little bit nicer. I mean, yes. had they had they wanted to, <laughs> they could have won by an even larger margin. I mean, that's the mark of a bl- – I don't want to say a blowout, but it was a solid ass-kicking. Yeah, it was. I, and there, I mean, I can remember moments of that game where the announcers were just like, like – Barkevius Mingo ran down the running back from behind. Like, and everyone was just kind of in awe of how much we were destroying them. Yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, they played really good teams and just destroyed them. And then also, I mean, you look at the talent on that. I, I think that 2011 secondary could have played in the NFL right then. They wouldn't have been the best unit or anything. But they would have been better than several teams. <laughs> I mean, dead serious. I mean, we're talking Morris Claiborne, Taran Matthew, Brandon Taylor, Eric Reed, And that's not counting uh, um, Ron Brooks, who was drafted coming off the bench. Yeah, that's still it, playing. That was a unit that was an NFL secondary. I mean, at the time, not guys, oh, one day they'll play in the NFL. I mean, right then, that's five NFL players. Yep. It just now they wouldn't have been a good NFL secondary, or maybe they could have been. I mean, with you know Matthew and Reed, I mean, just oh, just a disgustingly good team. Um, you know, and you know you had a really good running game. You know, you had you know Beckham out there. I, I think Spencer Ware is kind of a forgotten great player for LSU and that's because we've had so many great running backs I get it um, but Spencer Ware and Michael Ford that was one hell of a rotation yeah yeah it just it was a fantastic team uh, I, there's no other way for me to say it um, 2011 I mean just from a personnel standpoint it's better than 2007 and then what they accomplished was better it's just that everyone's focused on that one game and I, I can't help you there it's we're getting to the point where it's you know six years ago, so we can start. I don't know. We can start analyzing it without being so emotional about it. And I think you can look at it and say, 2011 certainly in the regular season accomplished more. Yeah, that's yeah. that's without question. I think t- if you're stacking them side by side, 2007 probably had the best singular player, though it's probably close with Matthew and Dorsey. The, the reason I would give Dorsey the edge is just because until he was injured, there was basically nothing you could do to get around yeah. him. And teams did find ways to get around Matthew now and again. Um, yeah, but I'd also point out that Sam Montgomery was on that team. Yeah. And, I, I mean, he washed out of the NFL, so I think that leaves a sour taste in people's mouths on, on Sam Montgomery. But he was in a he was our best edge rusher in like 10 years until Arden Keat showed up. We hadn't had a guy like that for a very long time. Yeah. But I do agree. I think you're right when you say that Glenn Dorsey, well, I think what it is is that Glenn Dorsey was a better player and that he was a more consistent 
every down kind of player. Yeah. But Taran Matthew was a force of nature. Yeah, he really was. I mean, just a force of nature. He got invited to New York City for the Heisman. <laughs> he, he, he had better numbers uh, than when uh, what's his face won the uh, won the Heisman as a defensive back. Woodson. Yeah, he he had better numbers than Woodson. And yeah. he returned kicks and stuff for touchdowns. So, Taran Matthew had a legitimate Heisman case, but God, he, he was just such an instrument of destruction. It, it was it was amazing. Taran Matthew is going to be one of those players. Twenty years from now, you know, old farts going to be saying, you know, you don't understand how good this guy was, and you know, yeah, it doesn't come across on the page, and they'll be like, whatever, old timer, you know, he was he was okay, I guess. He's nothing <laughs> like you know. You know Bob Jones who's playing right now. You know, <laughs> uh, Taran Matthews is pretty close to a you had to be there player. Yeah, I think it's a good analysis. I I would say overall, 2011 defense was better than the 07 group. 2007 yeah, offense was probably better. Uh, I agree. With the the 11 offense was more just like efficient, and I, they didn't make I agree mistakes. With that. Ruben Randall. Is a guy who never quite yeah. became what we wanted him to be. Um, Russell Shepard, you know, he kind of played all over the place, and I, I like Russell Shepard. But, yeah, he wasn't – he was another guy who never quite became what he could have been. And I, I think the 2011 offense, of course, will always be remembered for, you know, Jefferson Lee. Yep. So I, I think I am with you that – it's just you can't really debate the merits of their accomplishments. It was such a thoroughly impressive team that is really a team that if you don't if they had cashed in on that championship game and won, I think would be on the short list of greatest teams. Yeah, people time. would talk about them as maybe the greatest team. I feel like I, I like Bill Connolly looks at them and says they're one of the best teams that's never been. Yeah, I think they would be compared to in '95 Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, that would be the competition, be between them. Yeah, and it's not just winning those games. Like you said, it was destroying those teams. I mean, just yeah, I mean, just absolutely pummeling teams. Actually, I think I have the – I mean, here we go. These are the scores. I am not making these up. 40 to 27, 49 to 3, 19 to 6, 47 to 21, 35 to 7, 41 to 11 – 38 to 7, 45 to 10. Then you have your 9 6 game, 42 to 9, 52 to 3, 41 to 17, and 42 to 10. I mean, that is just a series of double digit blowouts. Yeah, the biggest anomaly is like, how the hell did we only beat Mississippi State 19 to 6? 19 to 6, yeah. Good That's job, still Mississippi like State. Two touchdown win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, that's the low point of your regular season is being like, man, we only beat State by two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, yeah, I think they were clearly the better team. And if those teams had played, I think 2011 would win. Oh, I think so, too. I think they would kill them. I'm going to say kill them because that's, that's the kind of thing they did is they killed teams. Yeah, and it was always like, even in some of those games, like the West Virginia game was a little bit competitive very early on, and it was like it's like the floodgate opened, and then it was it came running downhill quick. I think that's the big thing about them is that those games were always oh this game's close for a while, 
And it was always like sometime in the third quarter they would open up the floodgates. And then just bury teams. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was it really great was to that. like just go I, I would go to in Chicago and go to the bar. I think I went to the bar like every week for that that team. And it was just great to be like happy drunk at halftime. And then midway through yeah, the third quarter you could just like get stupid drunk because it wasn't gonna be like and competitive, anymore. and that's another reason that makes the championship game that much more disappointing. That they were killing teams, and then all of a sudden got killed in the championship because there was a real movement. If LSU lost that game, they still could have been crowned the national championship in the in the AP poll. Yeah, if they just would have kept the game, if you know, if Jordan doesn't throw the ball away when it's thirteen nothing on that famous you know you know yeah. gif everyone's seen, and they drive down the field and score a touchdown, lose thirteen to seven. They might win the AP National Championship. That would have been something. I mean, like, they were that good. They could have lost that game and still won the National Championship game. It's that they got blown out. Yeah, and that leaves everyone sour. It does. It's also because it came out of nowhere. It was it was unexpected. Yeah, it didn't look anything like the team we had watched all year. I, I think that's right. Uh, okay. All right, so let's get to our other questions. Um, the first question is from Kyle Digby, and I'm tempted to not even read this because he's being a smartass, but he said, man, how good was that Gary Croton hire? Well, I was making fun of that uh, uh, yeah. in my calm. Um, it's, you know, what it piqued Michigan's interest, so clearly it's uh, <laughs> it was a great hire. Oh, um, no, that's... I, I, look, we've had some bad... Co- everybody bemoans their bad coordinators, but... Croton, he was run of the mill bad. We've had worse. I mean, worse hirings. Curly Holman. Well, yeah, as a head coach. But I was going to say, like Lou Tepper is still the gold. Yeah, Tepper is, I guess. The uh, Kevin Steele is a worse hire. Really? You think Steele was worse than? Croton? Oh, Kevin Steele was just awful. I mean, look, Croton at least had one good year. That's true. So, um, uh. Stadwara is probably a worse hire. I mean, because that didn't even move the needle. I mean, I know there was kind of some yeah other things going on around there, but Croton's a run-of-the-mill bad hire. We make a little bit too much out of that, even though it is funny. So, sorry, Gary. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, Jonathan Zenon? This is from Vinny. Are Jonathan Zenon and Chavis Jackson the most underrated cornerback LSU cornerback duo ever? Um, no, but they are, I mean, they won a national title. Um, they were good. uh, And Chavis was better than Zenon. But once again, when we did our, you know, um, all time team, the fact that, um, Chris Williams holds the, um, LSU records for interceptions in a game in a season and in a career. And most of you couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. Yeah. I think that means he was the most underrated part of the most underrated tandem of all time. <laughs> yeah. I don't, they were fine. I mean, they were, yeah, they were solid workmanlike players, I think. Right. I side note. I actually, I spent two summers work in Baton Rouge and uh, I worked at Barnes and Noble and Chavis came in and bought a book one day. So I helped him. So that's my interaction with Chavis Jackson. You helped out Chavis Jackson. He appreciated that. Apparently he, he remembers. Is, he's now the Mac Recruiter of the Year for Ball State. So maybe he's a future, Good for him. future LSU coach. Good for him. I'm glad he's doing well. Um, 
the Mets theory at the Mets theory asks is the <laughs> are you guys really recording tonight? Like really? Well, we are. Here really? we are. Here we are. We're doing it. Well, you don't know that, but we are recording it right now. I, I guarantee it. And look, I even came back from a birthday party to make sure I was here. So there you go. It's actually it's it's actually tomorrow for that's me. How, that's how much you guys mean to us. Oh yeah, that's right. I stayed up I stayed up late for y'all. I'm gonna write him back right now. Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let them know. See live action. See that we're this is multimedia. That's what we can do here. Interact. We're, this is our transition to video because we care about you. <laughs> Uh, okay, Vinny, again, if you got a hold of Tebow's number before the game, what message would you have sent him? Um, I don't know. Like, I probably wouldn't have called him I'm gonna, or sent him a message, um, but I probably would have told, told him that Glenn Dorsey was going to kill him. That's good. I'm a terrible yeah. trash talker. Like, I, maybe just send him, like, a dick pic. I think yeah. That would be yeah, confusing but- to him. Yeah, it probably would. <laughs> I actually sent him a boob. <laughs> that would be confusing to him. What is, what this? is this thing? <laughs> yeah, I'd probably trash talk Jesus. That's actually now that you th- now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah, I thought about like sending him some like condescending scripture. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, <laughs> fuck you, Jesus. <laughs> <He'd> be, oh. <laughs> um. All right, Richard Miller asks, is it weird that I look back more fondly on the 2011 season than 2007? No, we just had a very long conversation about it. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. For sure. 2007 was stressful as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, it was not enjoyable. And 2011 was like a constant party. So Yeah, yeah 2011 was so much more fun. Honestly, I have fonder memories of the 2005 Katrina team. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that was a fun team. But, you know, but also, it, that was the team that moved me. Like, that really was a community rallying around a team. Yeah. And it didn't matter that they w- didn't win the title. But, like, this is not to diminish the 2007 team, which is still a great team. But if I have to choose my favorite teams, I'm going in order 2011, 2005, 2007. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um... Vineyard dog. Vi- vineyard? Vineyard. Vineyard. You know, because it's vineyard, you know, like grown grapes. <laughs> uh, I always, when I read it, I'm always like, vineyard. I don't know why. Because if I saw that word out of that context, I would say vineyard. But, uh, yeah. He asks, how long can you sustain a hearty belly laugh on Mike about Ole Miss? Which we haven't even talked about Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as long as I can do it. Um, it's been fun. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm trying not to uh, make fun of him too much on the site, if you've noticed. I, I feel I've been kept in check on that. Yeah, you've been pretty nice. uh, Instead, I've been ca- carrying podcast water on hating Michigan, Yeah, which, which which is his vendetta, by the way. Like, I'm writing the pieces, but he's the one who's pissed at him. So I'm like, all right, you know, it'll be funny. Um, that's a little behind-the-scenes action right there. Um I'm actually – I have no feelings either way towards Michigan. Um, but when told, hey, you want to make fun of somebody, I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but I'm kind of walking past the Ole Miss disaster and trying to be quiet about it because that's kind of a you know there but for the grace of God go I kind of thing. Yeah, that's sort of the uh, the old Bud Elliott 
don't poke fun at uh, other players from other schools getting arrested because it's just going to come back around to you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, this one is truly ridiculous. You know, the yeah, the absurdity uh, of it is pretty great. Shoe freeze quoting the Bible twice in his statement when he stepped down for um, calling prostitutes. All right, he's a sanctimonious dickhead. But, I mean, I did like him quoting the Bible. But all in all, I'm really trying not to gloat. I think we all knew. I mean, we've all, I don't want to say knew. We've always suspected that something was up with that really great recruiting class he first brought in his first year. Yeah. Uh, That's always been suspect. But honestly, he's not getting fired over that. So... No, he survived that. <laughs> and I don't know, like there's always the danger of becoming the old SWC where everybody just rats each other out. And, you know, and I realized that they were ratted out by Leo Lewis, which, you know, goes to Mississippi State. But still, I'm trying to keep some sort of order. You, you don't you don't want your anyone looking around your dark corners either. So, no, which I think is why I'm. I mean, what is any coach going to say? But they, they asked O about it and pressed him on it, and he was just like – basically gave a non-answer. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do. And, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be – I'm not going to jump on the parade. And I think Red Cup Rebellion has been handling it pretty well. Yeah, actually, I was, I was going to bring that up because I was going to say it's a lot harder to poke fun at them when, like, our blog mates, which is the – you know, our, our sister blog, Red Cup Rebellion, which is the extent of the Ole Miss fans I interact with, have been so lighthearted and poking fun at themselves yeah. for it. They're not, like, vigilant and being there. They're like, fuck you, NCAA. Fuck you. Every, fuck you. You know, like, they've just been like, well, this I, sucks. I think, <laughs> like, this is I depressing. think that would be the difference. If they were being really, you know, transient about it and they were, like, getting in our faces, then, yeah, I think I'd be inclined to write something to make fun of them. But I think they've been making fun of themselves. And yeah, they really have. They, they've taken, they have handled this a lot better than I would if it was LSU. How about that? Yes. <sighs> yeah, it, it kind of makes me feel bad for them. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, not no. Let's not go that. <laughs> just those like couple guys. Yeah, just those couple guys. Not Ole Miss. I don't feel we bad for Ole Miss. We don't feel bad for Ole Miss. Just whoever writes for Red Cup Rebellion, <laughs> the entire team. There. Uh, okay, Wes Shepard, which is just another snarky joke tweet. If Matt Floyd could reach twenty five hundred yards and twenty touchdowns, which I feel like is going to be said a lot on this podcast, <laughs> that's all he said. He didn't even ask a question. It just was oh, like, yeah, he did, didn't he? I think he had twenty five twenty. So, um, uh, okay, that for those who don't follow us on Twitter, which I think everybody does, if you're listening to this podcast, yeah, um, four of you. Uh, Paul and I were – well, Billy and you were fighting, to be perfectly honest, about uh, what Etling's numbers were going to be. Well, if you ask me, Billy season. was fighting with me. I, was, I wasn't trying to fight him, but – Yeah, OK. That, that, that sounds fair. And you were just like, OK, like you – know, and you were making fun of the idea that, oh, this is the year we're going to have a good LSU quarterback. And I at first was serious. I was like, OK, what – You were. You yes. know, like 25-20 is not that good. So, so yeah, of course he could do that. I'm not saying he will, but that's a fair benchmark, you know, whatever happens. And then you kind of made fun of me for it. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing that. <laughs> and so then I just started sending funny gifts at you for about two or three hours. <laughs> so I think, you know, Paul and I, a lot of times when we fight on Twitter, <laughs> 
we know it's funny. How about that? <laughs> is, is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. Like we're trying to put a point. For, I mean, we do have a core point underneath what we're saying. But at the same time, you know, we also enjoy jerking each other's chain. I think Billy was really pissed at both of us. Well, particularly you. You yeah. wasn't mad at me. I think I got on his nerves, which I, it wasn't my yeah. intention. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, w- I was being trolly, so I, I. Sometimes it happens, you know. You, when you troll people, it just happens. It just... Yeah. Look, I, I think what it comes down to is like, what is the fair benchmark? What are we going to judge him on? And what I don't like is that we're going to – I like laying out before the season, this is success. And if you're saying, okay, I think he can hit these numbers, is that the benchmark? Yeah. Because if he doesn't hit them, I'm going to write a piece on Danny Etling about how he failed to live up to expectations. You yeah. know I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. So – and if he hits those numbers, I'm going to write a piece that says, hey, he was great. Or you know, maybe not great, but you see what I'm, You know, like I like knowing – Beforehand, what's the criteria we're going to use to judge them? I think that's you know a pretty fair, uh, pretty fair benchmark. Even though TDs for a quarterback are kind of kind of luck. Yeah, as evidenced by Rohan Davy. I mean, yeah, when you're inside the ten, there's just as much chance of you running it in as throwing it in. It's not skill; it's it's decision. Yep. That makes any sense. Um, so I, I'm more concerned about the 2,500 yards, which. It's not that many. No, I, I'd like us to be able to throw for twenty five hundred yards this season. I, we, we we won't, will we? We're not going to make that, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I think that which was really my whole the, the <laughs> joke was just that we do this every year where we're like talking ourselves into it, and yeah, and I, I haven't really talked myself into Etling this year. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a bad court. Yeah, I don't think he's getting a bad quarterback, but I do think there's a little bit uh, more positive feelings at other corners of the blog towards him. For sure, which is and, fine. I, which, well, yeah, we should disagree. It would be terrible if we all agreed on stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I, I you know, it's, God, he's. I hate. You know, he's a game manager. Just shoot me in the head. Um, <laughs> I don't like saying that because there's so many connotations. Um, he's – I'll believe it when I see it. I, I mean, I, I know Seth loves him. Yeah, he does. And he does a lot – he breaks down a lot more film than we you know. That's actually kind of convincing to me because that's a guy who – let tape of a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, that's. I think that's better. But, but I also think he's kind of the not teacher pet isn't the right word, but like he's a coaching kind of player. Like he's yeah, a player that coaches would like. I agree with that. Um, I also think bringing in Canada gives us a little bit more, makes us feel a little bit better. Just yes. that we have a an offensive coordinator that we like for the first time in like ten years. Um, I think that's what gives me the biggest hope. But I am at the point, and I'm with this with everybody. Show me. Um, I'm a Missouri fan right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I one, think... gets, no one on the off- go ahead. No one on the offensive side of the ball gets the benefit of the doubt right now. I think the confidence stems a lot from Canada and what he did with less talent, and they're looking and thinking it's sort of like the Aranda of offense. You know, we have all this talent at all yeah. these positions. He can come in and 
finally maximize it. So, and I don't. I think, I think that is a perfectly reasonable argument. And I wasn't in any way saying that there's not a reasonable argument that Etling could be fine. I was just pointing, prodding that it's hilarious that we do this every year, and we're going to we, do it next do. year too. Of course we will, because we're going to be a totally new quarterback no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and hopefully, but hopefully next year the discussion is man, Etling was really good. Like, let's hope the next dude can pick up and keep carrying the torch. And not like, God, can we just get someone decent in there? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Jared All right. Brennan Harris. Yeah. All right, more questions. Um, which, by the way, I saw Brandon Harris made some like finalist list, which I think Etling is on some list, too. And I'm like, guys. You just need to quit if your list is just going to be naming every potential starting quarterback in the NCAA. Okay, you know, that's, that's what they do. Like, I don't understand it. Like, why is Brandon Harris should not be on a single preseason award watch list? I'm sorry. Like, I hope no, Brandon no, kills it in North Carolina, but he shouldn't be on a single list. I agree with that, but whatever. Anyways, tangent. Uh, all right, Katie. We already talked about this a little bit. Katie said, "Does is there been a?" Uh, Bigger emotional swing than the loss to Arkansas and then getting selected for the national championship game. It was so crazy I didn't watch football. Like, like the, the Arkansas game is the most disappointed I've been after a game. I, it was just awful. I did not watch a single snap of the Pitt-West Virginia game. And I even forget, what was the other game that got us in? Uh, Missouri-Oklahoma. Yeah, Missouri-Oklahoma. I couldn't watch football. Uh, I was... Uh, I tried to be very mature. I was like, you know, it's not going to ruin my week. I'm still going to do stuff and blah, 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 blah. I just can't watch football. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden everything happened. And, you know, then, you know, by the time the SEC championship game rolled around that evening, I was all in again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Brian Arbor gives sort of like a stream of consciousness of that night. That's not really a question. It was a good good tweet string, though. Um, we appreciate it. And then Crackles, of course, in traditional Crackles fashion, followed up on Katie's joke about, or Katie's question about if 2011 would beat 2007 with the question in regulation, which is pretty, that's pretty good. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, but in regulation, yes. They would have won by two touchdowns. Because 2011 beat the fuck out of teams. <laughs> yeah, for fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just killed teams. And, I, I mean, they didn't just kill every team they played. They they beat really, really good teams. And then they would just, like, mean mug the camera on the sideline. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and look, I think that's something that's kind of spoiled fans because they kind of expect that to be normal. That was not normal. <laughs> All right. No. You were never going to see that. I'm going to want to say never, but you rarely see that again. That was crazy. You know, a, a team that just <laughs> beats people's brains in like that. that that's not that's not what happens. Hell, even Alabama and this crazy run they're having right now, they don't beat teams in like that. No, I don't think any of their teams have. They've always had a couple of those games that are still. Yeah. Like the Tennessee game one year was close for no good reason. Ole Miss always plays them tight, you know. Yeah. They lost to A&M a couple times. Right. I guess once and then played them close another time. Yeah. (sighs) 
I noticed that, you know, it's definitely preseason because A&M fans are talking trash. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm, you know, it's not a, it's not late October yet. It's time for them to be happy. You know, one, yeah, once A&M is quiet, you know, it's time to buy your Halloween candy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, uh, oh, it's that time of year again. It's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I need to winterize the motor. <laughs> the mower. <laughs> One of these years, I don't know. I was gonna say one of these years, someone is actually gonna beat us, but I don't. Th- I don't think he is. <sighs> Not this year, because I feel like they're gonna lose this year, and he's gonna get fired. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> if someone never, be- if someone never beats us, that'd be really funny. It really would. Uh, yeah. S- sorry, A and M. I mean, I, that that one isn't personal. It's just it is funny if someone just keeps losing to us. I like the. Uh, I do like the there's some spirit in the Texas Texas A&M rivalry even though they're not playing each other. Oh no, I mean, that's that, what makes it great. It's there's there's some deep hatred there obviously, but uh there someone tweeted out the article that was like Charlie Strong has ended the A&M recruiting momentum <laughs> or something like that, which was pretty funny. I, I think their rivalry has been greatly improved by them not playing. Yeah, it really is. It really just lets the hatred just reach a fever pitch because, like, every little incident that happens off the field becomes this thing because they don't get to play. It's wonderful. I hope they restore that game. Yeah, I hope so too. But mostly because I would like them to play Texas and beat them and still like lose five games a year because that would just yeah that would that would be hilarious. Yeah. But that's it. We're out of questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it, was, it was pretty light. Do better, you know, you know. listeners. Actually, no, I thought that was pretty good. But good job, listeners. Don't listen to negative Dan. <laughs> Dan's being... He's being mean. The next week, we're going to have Billy on and do... Because we're kick, we, you know, we start fall camp. So it's like yes. fall is really starting. And uh, Yeah, so we're going to break down stuff. <laughs> so... Yeah, we're gonna try our interview skills. Try and you know let Billy be an expert. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll lean on his inside information because he probably knows a lot more shit than we do. He he certainly knows a lot more shit than we do. Well, I know more shit than Billy does, just not about you know the inside scoop. This isn't a comic book podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, or you know about the lay investiture controversy or something like that. So <laughs> that sounded like Spanish to me. Yeah, yeah. Did you see John Gruden wants to go back to coaching? I know. Sorry, I just we read that. Missed tweet. our chance to hire him as the LSU coach. I'm very sad. Tennessee fans everywhere are rejoicing. Ah, God, John Gruden. It, you know what? You missed your window. Yeah, you really did. Plus, why the fuck? Like he's getting like six million a year from ESPN to do like a yeah. really cushy job. John, I, I, I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart. Um. I don't know you. I don't, I'm not really personally invested in this, but coming back to coaching is a bad idea. It's You've so been funny. out of the game way too long. Stay in the booth. It's an easier job. You get paid tons of money. Don't do this. You're going to regret it. And he's pretty good. I mean, he says some goofball things, but he's a no, I, yeah. he's decent. I mean, it worked for Dick Vermeule. Yeah. You know? So I'm not saying it can't work, but it won't. <laughs> yeah. 
Plus, the quality of life has to be better. Yeah, no, don't do this to yourself. Yeah, don't come back and be a college coach. That would be just bizarro. But I kind of want to see him in college because he he was a character as a coach. He was. I enjoyed your Gruden, but like, man, the recruiting. Once you've had that ESPN gig, I don't know how you can do that. Yeah, why would you put yourself through that grind? Yeah, just enjoy retirement, man. I mean that. Yeah, he got a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have nothing to prove. You're a great coach, you know. And, yeah, I think he's a fun announcer. I like what he does. He's only going to tarnish his coaching record by coming back. Yes. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Most likely. Well, if he goes to the NFL, he might have a better chance just because he doesn't have to recruit. I, th- I think recruiting is what would just kill him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think he would just be a slam dunk just because of his Super Bowl ring and because he's a big time. I mean, everyone knows who he is, but. I yeah, you see, you're going against guys who, who bring it. Yeah, that's for sure. But Tennessee might be looking for a new coach, so it could actually happen. So, yeah, we'll see how their season goes. Hopefully we can help, you know, throw some dirt on the Tennessee coach this season. Uh, probably. Yeah, well, Tennessee is a historic bugaboo for LSU, so. That is very true. So I do not count that as a win. They fucked up our 05 season. I mean, just throughout all time, we've had a really – Historically, we have real problems with Tennessee, so that is one of my question mark games. Just because it's Tennessee, I feel like a A and M fan talking about LSU. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. But yes, next week we will have Billy. We will start to pre- actually preview the 2017 season. We will get out of this long off season and get. It is going to be actual football content. Yeah, or it's it's almost football time. That's right. Hell yes, which is, you know, my time of the year. Super exciting. I need to figure out if I'm going to do big game preview again cuz I've really fallen off and I it, it it fell to the end. I did enjoy my crappy uh PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, I think we I need some ideas. I, I we need to like hive mind the site contributors to have a group effort for it. So yeah, it's not I think like to, me trying to make jokes because I'm I, not I think very good. What you wanted to have is that you wanted it to be a thing where everybody contributes. And like I was trying to come up with a new bit each year, so I'll figure out if I want to do something else. Um, though I really did enjoy trying to make the worst PowerPoint I possibly could. That was the best part of it the last year for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll have to come up. I do like trying to to I hive my. I will accept reader submissions. So if you have ideas for a good joke, just send it in. And yeah. I will put it in the, I'll put it in the fucking article. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we, will, we will steal your idea. Have you read those things? They're bad. They're not good. I mean, that was the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy big game preview. That's like my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite things. So I guess I need to keep it alive. I just need to actually do it and not do like one every six weeks. Well, yeah, you know, last year, you can be forgiven. Yeah, I guess. It, it was a tough year. I want to be a better blogger. 
that's that's my goal, just in life. All right, that's it. Be a better blogger. Yeah, I, I I understand. I guess that's it. I want to be a better blogger. Yeah. That's that's my okay. life lesson for the week. <laughs> Put it on his tombstone. <laughs> this is going up tomorrow. I'm, this shit is going up. I'm going to edit it as soon as we hang up. <laughs>